need an outline tonight? Anyone need an outline? We have been going through Bible doctrines, and so we're going to continue tonight. We're going to look at the, God's judgment, or the judgment of God. And we are going to look at what the Bible has to say about the judgment of God. People love to talk about the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, but God's judgment goes right in there with these things. And really, you, we would never know God's love without God's judgment. We would never know the mercy of God without God's judgment. We'd never know the grace of God without the judgment of God. And God is holy and he is perfect in all things. He is just in his judgment and he does all things right. He is fair in all that he does. I hear many people, well, that's just not fair if God does. No, 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 no. God is always fair in what he does. And he is just in all of his rulings and the way he handles things. You might look at court cases today, you might look at, the, at judges and different things, and even today it feels like in America our judges are being kind of political in what they do. There should not be politics when it comes into those that are supposed to hold on to the law, right? It doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat, you're supposed to follow the law. And you say you're going to follow the law when you take the oath to be a judge or do those things. But in our world, it might seem like there's injustices, and I do believe there is. But with God, there's never an injustice. He is always just, and he's always right in what he does. And so tonight, Hebrews chapter number 9, it looks like you have a book tonight for your notes. I know that. But you've got to understand, I don't, there are not many churches today that take and go through Bible doctrines and give you notes like this. But I encourage you to keep them. I would put them in a notebook. I would keep them close by and use them in your family and keep them there. Teach them to your kids, and as they get older and older, remind them of these things. I think it's wonderful the kids are in here to learn these things. Man, it'd be great if the young people in our church could figure out what they believed about God before they were even teenagers. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? Because there are so many young adults that get to that point, and they're like, I don't know what I believe about anything. No, if you get them in a good church around the Word of God, they should know what they believe and why. The problem is what we've done for so long in our world today and in our churches is we say this, God's judgment is this, and we don't explain why. This series is why God's judgment is the way it is. Why does God do it this way? It, it explains it. What I was always, and I'm not bashing or going back on things, but it was always you do this because this is the way you're supposed to do it, and do it because I told you to do it. And that was, that worked, it worked. But I want our young people, and I want our folks to know why we believe what we do. And I'm not afraid of a question. You have questions about what, you come ask me. And you might look and say, I don't know if I agree with this. I don't agree with everything I say either. I don't go back and listen to a lot of my messages because I would disagree with half the things that come out of my mouth. And uh, so if you don't agree, I don't agree, it's all good. But when the Bible says it, we agree with what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 9 Verse 27, the Bible's very clear here. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. We see very clear in the Bible that judgment is coming, or has come. One thing that we all know, and you know, we live today in, in America, you know, you got to pay your taxes and you do these different things. What we know from the Bible is we are born at one time, 
We're going to expire at another time, and we're going to be judged. That's Bible. Now, your judgment doesn't have to be the same. We're going to look at these things tonight. And so we're going to take a little bit of time and look at what it means in the Bible when it talks about God's judgment. And really, you could look, and in the Bible, you could see seven judgments that we could talk about. Three for a Christian are past, present, and future, which we'll talk about. And then we'll see for the unsaved, there are some judgments. And then we will see that the devil and his angels, there are judgments on them as well. And so let's have a word of prayer. Let's dive in tonight. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. We love you. We need you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love, for your mercy, and for your grace. Help us tonight. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Number one tonight, we see God's judgment defined. God's judgment defined. We're going to go through. I'm going to give you several things, a lot of A, Bs, and Cs. We're going to look at a lot of verses here tonight. But as we talk about God's judgment, I'm going to lay it out, and then I'm going to break it up from a judgment as a Christian and judgment as an unsaved person. We're going to talk about the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment at the end of the message later on. As we talk about tonight, God's judgment defined. The first thing I want you to see is there's a judgment of deeds and not individuals. You see, the sentencing is of individuals is based on their deeds. The Bible tells us in Romans 2, verse 5 and 6, But after thy hardness and infinite heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to to his deeds. We see that right there. It's a judgment of deeds, not individuals. As we think on that, I want you to see letter B, that it's a judgment by God in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the judge. The Father gives that authority to him. The Bible tells us in Romans 14, verse number 12, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. The Bible tells us in Romans 2.16, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by who? Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. The Bible tells us in Acts 17.31, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, Jesus Christ, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead. You can very clearly in that verse see that Jesus Christ is going to be the judge. The Bible tells us in John 5, verse 22 and 23, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Do you see how the Father, he has committed all the judgment to his Son? We see that right here in these verses. The Bible tells us in John 5, 27, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. So as we define God's judgment tonight, we see that it's a judgment of deeds, not individuals. It's a judgment by God in the person of Jesus Christ. Let her see. This judgment is a judgment without respect of persons. It doesn't matter who you are, rich, poor, what color your skin is. It's a, God is not a respecter of persons. The Bible tells us in Romans 2, 11, for there is no respect of persons with God. It makes it very clear. And so 
you think about these things, it doesn't matter how much money you have or how little money you have. You think about the rich man and Lazarus, and that example, and that store, and that that um, parable, and really what took place. And we see because the Lord used a real name for Lazarus, so we believe that that is a true story, that a true happening. But we see it didn't matter that Lazarus was the poor guy here and that that rich man was the rich man. And even you see that rich man in hell, he kind of adds, hey, will you send Lazarus to go do this? No, in hell it doesn't matter how rich you are. You can't buy your way out of there. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't do those things. God is not a respecter of persons when it comes to his judgment. Letter D, we see that it's a judgment with absolute justice. It's a judgment with absolute justice. The Bible tells us in John 5, verse number 30, I can of my own self do nothing as I hear I judge. And my judgment is just. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father that hath sent me. Do you see what Jesus said right here? He says, my judgment is just. And you might look and you might look at the Lord and you might say, well, how can God judge someone who's never heard of him before and sentence them to hell? Why would you question God and how he does things? You're not God. And you are not the judge. Well, I just don't believe that God would... You don't need to try and go down that road and say what God would do, because you are not God, and you do not know his ways, because his ways are not like our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And he is absolutely just in all that he does. The Bible it makes it clear here that it says that my judgment is just. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter number um, 2 and verse number 12... For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. God is just in how he does it in the Bible. We can even look at Romans chapter 1. And the Bible makes it clear that there are no excuse. There's no excuse for no one. You say, well, they lived in a place where they didn't know of God. I've given the examples before. And for sake of time, I'm not going to go deep into it tonight. But the Bible makes it clear. Go to Romans chapter 1 with me for a minute and John chapter number 1. I want you to see this because there's some of you in the room that this might help you a little bit. Because sometimes, how could God send someone to hell who's never heard of him before? The Bible says that no one is without excuse. Say, well, they've never heard of him. Look at John chapter number 1, and then we'll go to Romans chapter 1 in a second. John chapter number 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There's a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light. Look there at this verse. It says, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Everyone knows there's a God. Let me help you with this tonight. The heavens declare the glory of God. Everyone knows there's a God. Now, the creation around us and the world around us doesn't teach us who the true God is. But everyone knows there's a God. That's why the Bible says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Because only a fool would utter such a thing, because everyone's been given enough light to know there's a God. And I don't care where you live, 
or whatever the case may be, people worship things everywhere. It's in us to worship someone or something. Now, the Bible says in those verses, it says that there's light given to everyone. Now, when we think on that and we look a little bit further, go to Romans chapter number one. I love Romans. I love the book of Romans. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of faith, or the, the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed, or the wrath of God against the ungodly and unrighteousness of men is let me read, so Let me start over there. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. Look at that right there. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. That light is in everyone. You see that there? For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they, anyone without Christ, are without excuse. If you want to know God, you can know God. You see that light that everyone has, one of two things will happen. You will either reject that light and it will get darker and darker and darker, or you will accept that light and it will get brighter and brighter because the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So if someone wants to be saved, if someone wants the truth, God will give them the truth. That's a Bible fact. I get so tired of hearing people, well, it's just not fair that God would send them that God doesn't send anyone to hell without a chance. Because every person that comes to this world has light in them. I say, well, what if they don't hear it? They, Coca-Cola's everywhere in the world. Even in those little places where nothing else is, a missionary can be there. If someone wants the truth from God, God's not limited by the things we'd be limited by. God is just in his judgments. There are no mistakes with God. Everyone's been given some light. What you do with that light says a lot of things. Letter E, and let's keep on going. It's a judgment based upon the Word of God. It's a judgment based upon the Word of God. The Bible tells us in Romans 2, verse number 2, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. The Bible tells us in John 12, verse 48, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last days. And may I just add a little something tonight for you. I would not want to be in a Bible-preaching, a Bible-believing church and go to hell someday. Because you hear the word of God, you hear the truth from God's word, and you'll be judged based on what you know. If you notice, we'll talk about this more at the end of the message, those who go to hell are judged on their works. And how bad hell is is based on how bad their works are. And when you've sat in a church and you've heard the preaching of God's word and God's word's been lifted up and you reject that, watch out. Hell's not going to be fun in any situation. 
but it's especially going to be bad in those cases. We see number one tonight, we see God's judgment defined. Number two, let's move on. God's judgment in relation to believers. Christians love to quote that verse. There is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And that is so true. Thank God that we're not going to be judged on our sins. You say, well, why are we not going to be judged on our sins? Because when we talk about tonight God's judgment in relation to believers, we have to, first of all, letter A, we've got to look back at past judgments. We've got to look back at past judgments. When we think on that and we look at that tonight, you've got to understand it began with the cross. Do you see what, when we read about all that Jesus went through, the beating that he endured, the, all those things he endured, the Bible tells us then that for several hours it went dark. And God unleashed his wrath on his own son. And what happened to Jesus during that time is he took your sin and my sin and he put those on himself and he bore our sin and he was judged by God for our sin. You know why I'm not going to be judged for my sin later? Because Jesus already paid that price. That's why I cried out, it is finished! Which meant judgment's been paid by Jesus Christ. And I don't have to pay for my sins someday when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. you got to understand something. Past judgment, you want to know how God feels about sin? Look, at it pleased him to bruise his own son, the Bible says. That's major. The wrath of God was on Jesus Christ on the cross. When we think about God's judgment for us believers, we have to first look back at what Jesus went through. That's why we can sing a song about, oh, that rugged cross, my salvation. And hallelujah and praise be unto you. Mercy there was great and grace it was free. And pardon there was multiplied to me. And there my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. It changed our lives. We see God's past judgment Letter B, we see present judgment. God does judge his children today. He convicts you. There's conviction of the heart. Aren't you thankful for the conviction of God? It lets you know that you're a child of God. You should be very grateful that he convicts you of your sin. And how important that is. When we look at these things, we think about that fact. The Bible tells us James 1, verse 22 through 25, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, for if any man be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continuing therein, he being not a forgetful doer, or a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. The word of God shows us what's wrong. And when we're not living right, and as a believer of the Lord, it's going to convict us. And I would be very leery, Christian, if there's not been some conviction in your life recently. Man, the past couple nights, I went up to Lancaster, where Johnny and Isaiah are at the college there, and I went to a conference the past couple nights. And man, the Lord beat me up several times. There's several things in my life that's like, I got to do better. There's things that I need to get right as I preach messages like this one or on Sunday, whatever the case may be. And I think God puts those special people that need extra attention as pastors. He's like, here, you need study this more than the average church member needs to hear it. But there's things in my life and I'm thankful for the conviction of God. The conviction of God is a good thing in our lives. But also, we talk about 
the past, Jesus took care of all the past, but in the present, there's conviction that comes, but there's also chastening from God. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Man, growing up, my parents, I never saw my mom chasing someone else's kids. Oh, I saw her chasing me and my brother. If you belong to the Lord, there's going to be times where you get chastened. And that's God loving you enough to set you straight. That's part of judgment. We talk about the past judgment, the cross, about what he does in our lives today to help conform us to the image of the Son. We also look at letter C, we look at the future judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I, I want you to understand something tonight. I think a lot of Christians get a wrong view of what the judgment seat of Christ is going to be like. Study the Bible and how the Bible words what it does when it does. Hey, pastor, there's going to be no more tears. All that's going to be passed away. You're going to stand before God someday. And before the I want you to understand, it, it says there will be no more tears and God wipes all the tears away. It's after the great white throne judgment. It's after it. And the great white throne judgment is after the millennial reign. It's after that time. And why are there going to be tears in our eyes? When we see people we knew being cast into hell, there's going to be tears. There's going to be sorrow going on. And praise God, he'll wipe our tears away. But you got to understand something. When you stand before God, it's no joke. As a believer or as a non-believer, thank God you can do it. This is the judgment seat you want to be at. You don't want to be at the great white throne judgment, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But when we talk about the future judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, I want to give you some facts and some thoughts about this. The judgment seat of Christ is the time that Jesus Christ is going to judge every one of his children. Not of our sins. Why? Because our sins were paid for on Calvary. Your sin was paid by Christ there. But what I want you to understand, and as we look here tonight, it is a time of reward or a time of lack of reward. You know those parables where Jesus said, well done, now good and faithful servant? Or what's wrong with you, you wicked and slothful servant? That's what it's going to be like. And we're going to give an account to God. The Bible tells us in Revelation 22, 12, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. The Bible tells us in 2 John, verse number 8, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. When we talk about the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to go into detail here for a few minutes. We see, number one, that it occurs after the rapture, but before the, second co the complete second coming, the revelation as I worded it last week. If you want a great picture to see how things are going to play out, Matthew 25 goes through the parables in order, and it lays out how this works. And when we look at these things, and I want you to understand something, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, in verse number 5, it says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, 
And then shall every man have praise of God. I believe, according to Scripture, it occurs before the, uh, after the rapture, but before the revelation. But number two, we see that every Christian, without exception, will be judged. The Bible makes it clear, Romans 14, 12. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself or herself to God. Everyone will. You're not going to stand in place for your children. You might be accountable for more depending on, you know, I'm going to be accountable for more as a father in my home. And I'm going to be accountable more as a pastor. There's a lot there. I did, that's one of the reasons I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to be accountable for you and that stuff. But we see everyone's going to give an account of himself to God. The Bible tells us 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, whether it, whether it hath done, whether it be good or bad. We will all stand before him, not to be judged on our sin, but our works and how we live for him. We see number three. We see number three. It's a judgment related to service, not salvation. Once you are saved, it is settled, and no one can change your salvation. You cannot work your way out of your salvation because you didn't do anything for your salvation. He's the one who paid the price. The Bible tells us in Matthew 25, 21, his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. That's just not just some good little story to read about. It's explaining how things are going to work. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 13, Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's works of what sort it is. What we do in this life for the Lord is going to be piled up before us. And it's going to go through the fire. And those things that we did for our own glory, for our own selves, and what we sought, is going to burn up. Wood burns in a fire, right? But those metals, those precious metals, and the things that we did for the Lord, and where we really wanted Him to get all the praise, where our motives were right, motives matter. You might say, well, no one knows. God knows your motive. God knows your heart. And someday, your work's going to be tried by fire. And when that happens, what is going to be left? When we think on these things, we see number four about the judgment seat of Christ. We see it's a judgment that tests the believer's service. You know, the reason why we did what we did. Why are you in church tonight? Is it because you love God? Oh, I just have to go to church. I got to do it or pastor's going to be bugging me. That, that's not going to fly in the fire. Not. Oh, I had to serve in church because you want me to. Yeah, go ahead. It's going to burn. What is your motive? Why you do what you do? Why do you live the life that you live? Why are you going to come to the couples or the family conference? Go deeper there, but I'm going to stop there. As we look at this, look at 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 12 and 13. Now, if any man shall build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and that fire shall try every man's works of what sort it is. Your mo why you do what you do matters. 
and it's going to matter when you stand before Jesus someday. When we think about this, we go a little bit further, we see number five, that's a judgment where rewards are given out. The Bible tells us in Matthew 5, 12, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 14 says, If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Remember we just read verse 12 and 13 a couple minutes ago, that our works are going to be tried by fire, and whatever's left we get rewarded for. And as we think on those things, and, you, and we think about, we've read this verse already, but look at it again, 2 John verse number 8, it says, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Say, so, well, what are we going to do with our rewards? We are going to cast them at the feet of Jesus. After all that he's done, you think about when we get to heaven, the fact a lot of, all things are going to be made new, right? But Jesus is still going to have his nail-pierced hands. Still going to have the marks in his feet. We're always going to be reminded of the fact of what he did so we could be with him forever. And the one thing we can do today is live for him in this world and do it with the right motives and have something to cast at his feet. We will be ashamed on that day if we have nothing to cast at his feet. And let's be honest, I don't care how much you have to cast at his feet, you're going to be ashamed when you see him. When we think about that, we think about some of the crowns that we can receive as the Bible talks about. We see, as we talk about these crowns, we see letter A, a crown of life. And that's for faithful Christians. The Bible says in James 1, verse number 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. The Bible tells us in Revelation 2.10, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. But be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. We see the crown of life as a crown for the faithful Christian. We see letter B, small letter B, we see the crown of victory. That's the incorruptible crown. The Bible talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 and verse 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. And you think about those that run races or... I know today you get participation trophies for anything that you do, basically. But there used to be a day where it was mainly first, second, and third, maybe a few medals here and there. But when you got your first place trophy, you know, I've, a while back I went to my home church, and my senior year in football, we won the first place trophy. I looked in their trophy case, and my trophy's nowhere to be found. That's sad. I worked hard to get that trophy. No one cares about that trophy. It's probably in a trash can somewhere for all I know. I would have taken it and held on to it to remember back in the day we got first place. But we do what we do. I played in that football championship. It's a crown that's not a, a crown that's not even worth anything anymore. It means nothing even to the school I went to. But when you serve the Lord and you finish the race he's called you to, you're going to obtain an incorruptible crown which lasts forever that you'll cast at Jesus' feet. It won't get thrown in some get thrown in some dumpster or it be in a box somewhere to be stored up. You'll have a crown to cast at Jesus' feet. Letter C, we see there's the crown of glory. 
And that's for those who faithfully teach God's word. And I know sometimes people will say, I think that that crown's reserved just for pastors. There are a lot of people that faithfully teach God's word. And maybe it is just for pastors, but I would say those that faithfully teach God's word, I think it includes others as well. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse number 4, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And uh, we see letter D, we see the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness are for those who love his appearing, those who are looking for living in light of Christ's return. The Bible tells us 2 Timothy 4, verse number 8. And this is Paul as he's getting, you don't have that verse back there? So 2 Timothy 4, verse number 8 says, uh, well, it says, I finished, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I kept the faith. Verse number 8 says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown, and let me get there real quick so I can quote it right. Henceforth there is laid up for me, oh, I'm in first, that's why I didn't look right. Um, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. And then we also see, letter E, we see the crown of rejoicing, the soul winner's crown. The Bible talks about that one in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse number 19, and I don't think that's in your notes either. And so I'll turn there and I'll read that for you. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse number 19, the scripture tells us, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? And you say, how can I get this crown? You lead people to Jesus. He does the saving. But you're the messenger that the Lord uses. And as we think on these things, we see letter F that we will cast our rewards at his feet. And the Bible talks about the fact in Revelation 4, verse number 10, And the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We are going to cast our crowns at his feet. Now, may I just remind you something of something, Christian, tonight, before we go on to our final point tonight. Number six, we see that Christians will not lose their salvation. You lose rewards, not your salvation. 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 15. Look at what the Bible says here. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. That's very clear. You do not lose your salvation, but you can lose your rewards. And, you know, in the back of the book, in the book of Revelation, it talks about those that add or take away from the book. What does it say about those that add or take away? It says, their part shall be taken out. Not their name. Their part. Because you can't lose your salvation. You can lose your rewards, but you can't lose your salvation. And so at the judgment seat of Christ, you will not be judged on your sin. You'll be rewarded according to what you do, or there will be a lack of rewards based on why you do what you do and what you've done for the Lord with what he's given to you. There are many Christians today who the Lord has given you talents and abilities and things to do for him, and you've done nothing with them. And you're not going to get a well done, now good and faithful servant, when you see the Lord. Let's live for him today, because there's a judgment seat of Christ coming someday. 
as we get to our last point tonight, I want you to understand something. That this is awful, what we talk about here in the next few minutes. And the fact that we as believers know these things, and yet we don't warn people and tell them, how would it be if you drive home tonight and you see a house on fire and all the cars are in the driveway and everyone is in the house? Oh, someone else will warn them and you just go. You find out they all died in there. Many of you in this room, if all the people were out and there was a sign in the window that said that their cat was still in the house, you would go in to go get that cat. Say, Pastor, what would you do? No comment. I have two cats now. So, yeah, I have two cats. And they're, they're growing on me. Like warts do, you know, that type of thing. And so, and uh, Shelly, I'm just teasing a little bit. I only said that just to see. I just wanted to see your response to that right there. That's why I said that. So, and you didn't even, you didn't even flinch. You've been, you've been living around, you've been living with Frank too long. So, that's, that's the truth there. But, yeah, they're growing on me a little bit. But, a good human being would look out for other human beings and try and help them. And yet, I want to talk about the last few minutes tonight, point number three, Roman numeral number three, God's judgment in relation to unbelievers. Now, as we talk about this, we're going to talk about a few things real quick, and we'll be done. First of all, I want you to see letter A, when it comes to God's judgment, we see God's judgment upon Israel to begin with. God's judgment upon Israel. Now, when we talk about Israel and God's judgment on them, there's several things about this. I would say that there's the general judgment, and that would be the times of the Gentiles. I want you to read this verse with me from Luke chapter number 21, verse 24. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captives into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. When we look at this verse, God's judgment on Israel was passed here in 606 B.C. with the captivity of Judah. And what happened was, basically, there has not been, has there been someone of the tribe of, is there someone on David's throne today? Until a few years ago, there wasn't even a nation of Israel, was there? For a long time. Why? Because God has judged them. And they got away from God, and God judged them, destroyed the temple, basically spread them everywhere. And it hasn't been till too recent, in the 1940s, that they've even come back together as a nation. Which shows us that the end's getting close. Because they're back as a nation. And there's a lot more I could say about that, but we see that but then we also, when we look at this, would think of the specific judgment that's coming. There are many, and I've mentioned it before, that believe that the church has replaced the Jews, and that's why the church would go through the tribulation. That's what they believe. I find nowhere in the Bible where it says that that's true. What we believe, according to the Bible, is from Daniel chapter 9, in verse number 27, it says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. For the overspreading of the abominations, he shall make it desolate, even of the consummation. 
and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. The Bible's clear, and I've gone through this enough with you that if you don't understand this, I can take some time, or if you haven't been here as I went through it, we believe in Daniel's the 70-week prophecy. 69 weeks of years have been complete, and when they cut off the Messiah, God says, okay, Israel, you're going over here for now. I'm not done with you, but you cut off, you, your Messiah came. You could have had it all, and you rejected it. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put you on the side, and I'm going to leave you over here for now. I'm going to work through the mystery of Christ, his body, the church. And there will be a day when the church is taken out of here, and that one seven-year period that is left, Daniel's 70th week, the tribulation, God's judgment on Israel will, be unf will unfold before our very eyes. It's also known as the time of Jacob's trouble. When we look at these things and we see it, we see that God's judgment upon Israel and how it plays out. We also see, letter B, God's judgment upon the Gentile nations. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 25, and you can look at those verses because it's 31 through 46. It's quite a stretch of verses there. There are some other passages in the Old Testament. Joel chapter 3, verse number 2, and also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat, and will plead with them there for my people and for the Lord's and for the heritage and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. God is going to judge all the nations. The Battle of Armageddon, there's a lot more we can say there. Matthew 25, verse number 4, he says, And the king shall answer and say to them, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of my brethren, you've done it to me. Ezekiel 38, 13, Sheba and Dedan, and the merchants of um, Teresh, with all the young lions thereof, shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take prey, to carry away silver or gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take great spoil? And when we look at these things, and we see them, and uh, what's going to happen is it's evident, and what that passage is talking about, there's going to be some Gentile nations that will back Israel when there's going to be a northern invasion. There's a lot more that we can go into all of this here, but I don't have time tonight to go into it. But this judgment is going to take place, and when it does, this is at the end. Everyone's going to be headed towards Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem's always, it's an important city. And there's going to be all these people that come. I saw just, and uh, when they come, that battle's going to take place. The battle of Armageddon. And God's going to judge the world with his word. And during that time, Satan will be bound and he'll be cast into hell, the bottomless pit for a thousand years. The Antichrist and the beast, the, uh, the, the Antichrist is the beast, and then the false prophet will be cast straight into the lake of fire. They skip hell. A thousand years will play out before us. Now we understand, I want you to understand with me tonight, the way it works for the believer is those that have died before us, someday when the trump of God sounds, they are going to rise up first, their bodies. They're with the Lord now, but their bodies are still, their bodies are going to come up. We which are alive and remain are be caught together. We're going to be with the Lord forever. What's going to happen after the millennial reign of Christ is, the Bible tells us, I want you to go there with me, 
and I'm going to just close things out here in Revelation chapter number 20. You need to see this with your eyes as I finish up. And I know we've done a lot tonight, but it's only 728, and we'll be done here in just a couple minutes. And literally, I could have taken, I could have taken months to talk about what I've talked about in one night tonight. Revelation chapter number 20. And look down with me at verse number um, look at verse number four. It says, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead, those unsaved, unsaved people, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part of the second resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them to battle. And the number of them is as the sand of the sea. And they went up upon the breadth of the earth and, and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We see letter C, and lastly tonight, we see God's judgment upon the unbelieving dead, the great white throne judgment. When we talk about this, number one, I want you to see who participates, who will be at this judgment. All those whose names are not written in the book of life. If you notice, we talk about going to, we talk about the rapture, that the body meets the soul, right? So death and hell give up theirs and stand before God. It's the same thing except a much different way that it's done. And the Bible tells us, and I want you to understand, Christians have no part in this. And when we see this, I want you to understand that this terrible day of judgment is not, you got to understand, is determined by Christ 
And we also see, number two, and lastly, this judgment determines degrees of punishment. In hell, there's going to be different degrees of punishment based on people's words. You might, so you got to understand, maybe someone here on earth never trusted Christ, but they tried to lead a good life, which you can't do without Christ. But they did some good things. If you die without Christ, you will be in hell. And hell will not be a fun place no matter what degree it is. But someone who goes to hell who didn't trust Christ but kind of did a lot, some good things in their life, their hell will not be as bad as Hitler's hell would be. Now you say, is Hitler in hell? Unless he turned to Christ before he died, you say, could he have done it? He could have. He, he could have. And that's where people sometimes have a hard time. How could God let anyone on their deathbed be a wicked person and trust him? What about that thief on the cross? He couldn't go live for Christ. He could do nothing. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Because it's not about you and I and what we do. It's about who we trust in and who Jesus is to us. There is a world around us, family members that we have, friends that we have, co-workers that we know, our neighbors, people in this world today that are going to hell that need to know Jesus Christ. You can't make them trust Christ, but you can warn them. Just like if someone's house is burning, you can't physically make them get what you could try. But you're not going to make someone do something they don't want to do. It's your job to warn them. Because judgment day is coming. And God is just in what he does. And we love to talk about the goodness of God. We love to talk about God's love. We love to talk about his mercy. We love to talk about his grace. But God's judgment is real. And it's fair and it's just, and that day's coming. As a believer in this room, if you know Christ as your Savior, you're going to stand before him someday. And you're going to give an account to God for the way that you live your life. That should scare a lot of us. Because we do a lot of the things that we do because we want to or we don't want to. We don't do it because we love God. We do it because we're selfish, and we want things for us. And you can have your reward today, and you'll have nothing to cast out to you. There's going to be someone here tonight that doesn't know Christ as their Savior. Do you really want to go to hell? Do you really want to burn forever? There are a lot of people that's going to happen to. They don't know Christ. Man, let's be, let's warn them. Let's give the gospel out. Let's do our best to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the day, let's be honest, hell was created for the devil and his angels. God's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. But he's also given us a free will. And if you don't want him, you don't have to receive him. But what you do with Jesus is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Father, I thank